Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number 40 of the Property Magic Podcast in which I'm going to share with you how you can make more money with ethical property investing. I sincerely believe if you approach your investing with a genuine desire to help other people and to find a true ethical win-win for all parties involved, then you do more deals and so you will make more money. Now, in episode six of the Property Magic podcast, I explain how you can pay less for your next investment by working with motivated sellers. If you've not listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you listen to it after this one. That's episode number six. Now, if you find a motivated seller, they have a problem and they're more likely to be flexible on the price or the terms of the sale. That means you can either buy the property at a discount or they might agree to something creative such as vendor finance, exchange with a delayed completion or a purchase lease option all of which means you put less money into the property so you will get a higher return on your investment. Now, some people incorrectly assume that this means you're taking advantage of people. And I must admit, when I first heard about this, I wasn't really sure until I actually sat down face to face with my first truly motivated seller. Now, that was almost 15 years ago. And at that point, I had a real light bulb moment. I realized I could give this person exactly what he wanted for his property and he would be really happy to sell to me at that price that was also a really good deal for me. And I realized that if you help people and give them what they want, they're far more likely to give you what you want. Now, most sellers, they want to get as much as they possibly can from the sale of their property they're not really motivated to sell quickly and they'd rather wait until they could get the most money rather than sell right now. So that's not really the people we're looking for. We want to find these truly motivated sellers who really need to get rid of the property. And what is most important to them is the speed and certainty rather than how much they actually get. Now, of course, often they have a certain amount they need to achieve, maybe to clear their mortgage and other debts or money to move on. And we need to make sure that we can give them at least the amount they actually need and also hopefully give them a little extra money as well if that still works for you. Now, when you make an offer to someone, they might actually get offered more by someone else. And if that happens, you should be genuinely happy for that person, congratulate them and say, look, you should take that other offer. I'm really pleased someone's able to pay you more money. Be really pleased to them. But you might also want to mention at the end of that, that look, if the other person fails to deliver, I'm still here and I'd still be happy to go ahead. Okay. Now I've had this happen to me. So I was negotiating on a property up near Derby and I said, look, the most I can offer is 132. And that was genuinely what I could offer to make it a good deal for me. And having spoken to the owner, I know that that would work for them. Now they came back to me and said, look, Simon, someone else has offered 135. Could you increase your offer? And I said, look, um, I'm sorry. 132 is all I can go to, but look, If someone else is offering you that, 
by all means, please take that. I'm really pleased and good luck with that. And obviously, come back to me if, if they decide not to move ahead. Within a day, they came back to me and said, Simon, although the other people have offered more money, we want to sell to you. Now, why do you think that is? Well, maybe they were bluffing. Maybe they were just saying they had someone who had more money, and that could have been the case. But I believe actually there was another buyer. And I believe they felt that, you know, I really wanted the best for them, which I did. And they trusted me that I would complete the transaction, which, to be honest, was more important than the extra £3,000. So they came to me and they offered me the deal. And I did complete that transaction very, very quickly. So you need to find out what's really important to the owner. And if you can give them that, then they're going to be far more likely to work with you. And so another example of this, uh, one of my students, Julia, uh, she was looking to buy a property. Now, the situation was the owners of this property wanted to sell because they wanted to move into a council bungalow. And these council bungalows, they don't come up very often. And so when they come up, you need to be able to move very quickly. And they didn't want to be in a situation where they hadn't sold their house and that might take long and they'll miss out on this council bungalow. So Julia agreed to buy the property for £140,000. Now, there was someone else who'd also put in an offer to buy the same property for 150000 So this other party were offering £10,000 more, but the seller decided to go with Julie. Now, why was that? For the simple reason that Julie worked out what did these people really want. What they wanted was they wanted to sell the property, but to stay in it. They wanted to exchange contracts. They knew a sale was agreed, but stay in it until they got the opportunity to move into a council bungalow, which might be six months, might be a year. They weren't really sure. And then someone could complete on the transaction. And that flexibility was worth far more than £10,000 that the other party was offering because the other person wanted to buy at 150 but wanted them to move out the house. And this couple have had to go into rented accommodation, move all their stuff. They didn't know how long they'd rent for. Then they'd move into the bungalow. It was more hassle. So for, for the sake of saving all that hassle, they were really happy to take £10,000 less. You know, and to do this, people need to like you to be able to work with you. And they've got to understand that you really want the best for them. And the way you do that is by taking the time to build the relationship with these people and build the trust. As I've said many times on episodes in this podcast, and I'm sure I'll say it many times again, it's really important not to make assumptions what the sellers want, because you just don't know what they want. Instead, you need to ask them, you need to ask them what's important to them. Now, if you've not listened to episode number 37 yet, again, I'd like to recommend you do that. On episode number 37, I talk about the 22 questions you must ask sellers. And I think you're going to find that really useful because they're questions that most people wouldn't ask, but they'll help you uncover what's really important to the seller. A useful concept for you to bear in mind is the thought that you always want to be adding value to the other people. Um, so a question to ask yourself is, am I helping these people? Are they better off because they're working with me? Um, sometimes you'll speak to a seller and find that they're that them selling the property to you is really not the best thing for them. Um, maybe they could refinance the property or maybe they could borrow some money from a friend or a family member. And so to be really ethical, I think you should explore all of the other options 
before you buying the property, even if it means you don't get the sale. So if you speak to a motivated seller and they don't have to sell to you, there's something else they can do. You should be telling them and highlighting that opportunity to them. In reality, they probably would have looked at all those other options. And the very fact you're trying to help them and suggest them will help them realize that it's not just about you. You're trying to find a really good deal for them as well. So let me give you an example of this. So this was a motivated seller that I became aware of in London. Now, London's not my area. I've only ever owned two properties in London. I'm based in Birmingham. But this was a potentially good deal that someone else who I'd met through my networking passed this deal to me. Um, They couldn't really work with the seller. What, What the seller wanted didn't fit their strategy. They knew that I was in the market for buying good deals and I paid this person for this lead. And the situation of the seller was this lady had wanted to sell a property. Um, she was renting it out. She didn't like all the hassle. Um, and so what she decided to do was she looked in her local newspaper. She saw an advert for someone saying um, they would buy houses quick. And this was about put about six, seven years ago. And she called this company up and they said, yes, uh, we'll come around, look at the property. They came around and said, yes, we'll buy the property but we need vacant possession. So she gave the tenants notice. They moved out. Um, Things were progressing not very quickly. And to be fair, this landlady, when she moved the tenants out, she had no more rental income coming in. So she didn't have the money to pay the mortgage. She was worried about this. She spoke to the people who said they'd buy the property. They said, don't worry. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a couple of months of arrears. We will clear all of that when we buy the property. So she started to go into arrears. She started to get letters from the lender to say, look, you need to pay. She kind of ignored them because she knew this company were going to buy the property and clear all the mortgage. Um, but after a couple of months, she started to get a bit nervous and she kept calling the company. They said, yes, yes, we're going to exchange very soon. It got to the day of exchange and this company who was supposed to be buying the property turned around and said, um, we're not going to buy the property. Now, this was after about five months of them first saying they were going to buy. So that is not a very ethical thing. They really messed this lady around. Um, she had sleepless nights because her concern was, look, if, if she got repossessed on this rental property, what might the impact be on her home? She was paranoid about losing a home. So she was really stressed because this company maybe didn't know what they were doing and just weren't very ethical. So what she did, she panicked. She got some tenants to come into the property very quickly uh, on a fairly low rent. There were students only paying something like £1,100 rent, which was very, very low for this property. But it was enough to cover the mortgage and she felt a lot more secure. And she thought, I don't want the property. I've got to sell it. So she went back into the newspaper, called someone else. This was my contact. Um, it didn't suit him. So he passed the lead on to me. Now, when I called this lady, understandably, she was really stressed She was very skeptical because this other company had messed her around. And my first job was to reassure her and say, look, I can't promise you I'm going to buy your property. Um, But what I want to do is just speak to you, find out about the situation. And if if it's a good uh, deal for me, well, I may be able to buy. But you know what? I might not have to buy. There might be something else I can suggest you can do instead. I was really trying to look out for her. And I asked a great question, which is, how can I help you? That's a great way to get people to open up. So anyway, it turns out that her mortgage was £700 a month. She was only a few thousand pounds in arrears, uh, but she was worried about getting repossessed. And the rental income was more than the mortgage. And I said to her, look, um, 
in my opinion, this was a four bed masonette in SE20 in London. I said to her, look, if I was you, I wouldn't sell this property. Um, to be honest, the rental income coming in, although it's fairly low, is more than the mortgage. Why don't you call the mortgage company and see if they will accept all of the rental income to start catching up on the arrears? Um, and she said, will that work? And I said, well, I don't know, but it's worth a try. So she called the mortgage company and they said, no, no, you've got to pay the full amount. She said, I don't have the full amount, but I can pay you the rent, which is the mortgage plus extra. So basically they agreed with her as long as she paid the full rent to them, they wouldn't repossess her. So she was starting to whittle away and she called me back and she was over the moon. She was really excited because they said, look, as long as you keep paying the, the full rent to us every month, we're not going to repossess you. So, so she was really happy. Her concern was um, put to bed and, you know, I didn't have to buy the property. So, you know, maybe I missed out on a deal, but you know what? Um, actually, uh, I felt really good because I'd helped her. I want to be able to sleep well at night. I'm putting some good karma out there. And you know what? Although I didn't buy that property, she was really happy. Maybe she might recommend me or refer me to someone else who does need to buy a property in the future. So I'm always have that view. If I don't have to buy the property and I can help them in some other way, that is what I will always do. If the last resort is buying the property and that will help them, then obviously I'll buy the property. Now, this was in the February. And interestingly, um, I always keep in touch with the motivated sellers who I speak to. Follow-ups are a really important thing that you should do. And so I sent her a text every month and nothing happened for a while. And then in the July, she responded to my text. She said, uh, can you call me? So I gave her a call and I said, hey, how's it going? What's what's happening? And she said, um, Simon, um, thank you so much for helping me early in the year, but I've decided I really want to sell the property. And I said to her, oh, okay, so what's the problem? And she said, well, you know, what you said worked. You know, the mortgage company were happy. They're not going to repossess. Um, but the problem is I'm going to this property still to sort out issues uh, I'm not getting any benefit from the rent. All that's going to the mortgage company. And I, I just don't want the hassle. And to be honest, I just don't want to go back to the house again. And what I'd failed to find out the first time, because I thought it was about her worrying about getting repossessed. What I failed to find out was actually she had bought this property with her late husband. They lived there as a family home. Then they'd moved out to buy another property and they'd retained this as an investment, which is the way many people start in property. and. Her husband had always dealt with everything. He dealt with all the, the money, all the maintenance. So she'd had nothing to do. And when he passed away, she inherited this property and she inherited all the hassle. And she didn't really want the hassle. And that's why she was prepared to sell it in the first place. Um, although I'd helped her and avoided repossession, every time she went back to the property, she had memories of her late husband. And obviously that wasn't good for her. So she decided she really wanted to sell and she'd called me because she wanted me to buy it because I'd helped her out and I'd really looked after her before. So I said, well, okay, how much do you want for the property? She said, I'll be happy to sell it for the same price I'd originally agreed previously. Um, and so I said, okay. Um, so I arranged to go and look at the property. It was a very good price. And I said to her, are you sure you're happy to do it? She said, Simon, look, I just want you to buy it. You, you helped me out before. Just will you buy the property? And I said, well, if it's a, if it works for me, yes, I will. But, you know, it's worth more. And she said, I know it's worth more. I can't go through the hassle of trying to sell it, put it on the open market. I know I could get more money, but I just want a really quick, speedy solution. Can you help me with that? So I almost tried to talk her out of selling because it was a good deal. If I was her, I would keep it. 
but I had to put myself in her shoes to understand that she just didn't want to ever go back to the property again. So we decided to do a deal. I got the property valued. I estimated it was about 230,000. Uh, this was about, say, five, six years ago. Uh, the valuation came in at uh, 225. So I was pretty close. And we agreed a purchase for 162,000 pounds. They're worth 225. I'm buying at 162. She was really happy with that. She just wanted to clear the debt and get away. Now, I actually asked her more questions and found out that she had a redemption penalty on the mortgage. So of that 162,000, 7,000 pounds was going to go to the mortgage company because she was selling it before November that particular year. And I said to her, well, I'll tell you what we can do. How about we exchange contracts to give you the certainty? How about I clear all of the arrears now so you know it's not a problem? And then we have a delayed completion. I will complete in December this year once it's passed that redemption penalty. What that means is buying at the same price. If, if I buy at 162, you're not going to get any money at all. But if we just delay it and in the meantime, I'll take on the responsibility. I'll pay the mortgage every month. I'll do the maintenance. We'll look after the property. You can walk away and forget about it. But at that price, 162, in December, you'll get an extra £7,000 into your pocket, which you will have not had before. Now, she was absolutely delighted by that. It didn't cost me any more money at all because I was going to pay that amount anyway. It's just because the lender wasn't going to get their redemption penalty. She was going to get £7,000 in her pocket. And this is what I mean about really trying to find a solution that's going to work really well for the seller. And that was a great deal. That was a 27% below market value deal in London. And London's not even my area. So the final thing I want to talk about um, in terms of ethical deals is my favorite strategy, which is purchase lease options. Now, again, many people struggle to understand why someone would do a purchase lease option because they're only seeing the benefits for the owner. Basically, you agree to buy a property at some time in the future within a certain time frame at a fixed price you fix today. You then take on the property. You give them a, a certain amount each month. You rent the property out and you will make cash flow and potentially get equity growth on a property you don't own. That's why I love it so much. Okay. And many investors just can't see why an owner would agree to that. But you've got to put yourself in the shoes of the person. Now, remember, this only works, an option only works if the seller doesn't need the money from the sale. Now, the vast majority of sellers, they do want the money because they want to use it to pay other debt or pay for their daughter's wedding or whatever it might be. So in that case, a PLO may not be the best solution. But there are also lots of people who are selling property, not because they're trying to get to the equity, but they just don't want the hassle. They don't want the responsibility. And in fact, the seller I talked about just now, um, she didn't want the hassle. She didn't want the responsibility, but she wasn't prepared to run an option because she didn't want the mortgage in her name. Okay, so that's why we had to buy it rather than do an option. But here's the interesting thing. With a purchase lease option, we can actually give that seller more money than if they were to sell the property right now, as long as they're prepared to wait for when they get that money. Now, I was on a call this morning with a group of my mastermind students, and one of them was telling me she had agreed to buy a property 
before the COVID-19 lockdown, and she was paying pretty close to the asking price. She thought it was worth about 370, which is what she was paying. It was currently renting out as an HMO for 3,100, but it wasn't in great condition. And with a little bit of money spending, a little bit of uh, cosmetic uh, refurb and a bit of love and care, she could probably get something like four and a half thousand pound rental income. So it was a really good deal. She was offering the full price because of the potential rental uplift. Now, having said that, that was before this pandemic and lockdown. And obviously, now we're out of that. She's kind of thinking, well, I don't know if I want to be paying full market price for something right now, even though there's really good rental income, because it's a different market than it was three or four months ago when she agreed the deal. So she wanted to see if she can go back to the owner and renegotiate the terms. Now, what many people are doing right now is they're going back and they're offering less money. And you can understand why people are doing that. It's a different market. We think the market's going to come down. Um, but I also understand, well, is that really ethical if you've agreed a price and then you're changing, although the market's changed, is that really fair? So I shared with this student, ladies called Joe, I shared with Joe how maybe she can come up with an ethical solution where actually this owner is going to make more money if they're a little bit of flexible on the terms. Now, this particular owner has got no mortgage on the property. It's completely unencumbered. And when they sell the property, they're going to have to pay some capital gains tax because it's not their main residence. They bought it previously for about 210000 So there is a, a gain there. Um, and what Joe said was, uh, instead of buying it now, she'd be happy to give the full asking price. But if she can have maybe a four or five year purchase lease option. And so she could give them the same price, but just in a few years time. And in the meantime, pay some money to him on a monthly basis. Now, remember, at the moment, the landlord's getting 3100 If the landlord sold that property, he'd lose all of that rental income, but instead he'd have some money he can put in the bank. Now, after sales costs and tax, that seller's probably going to get about £335,000 to put in the bank because the, money, the investor doesn't need the money now. He just doesn't want the hassle of the property. So, if he put 330000 into the bank at less than 1%, which is what most people are getting at the moment, he'd make something like £300 or less per month. So think about that. This seller is going to sell this property, put all the money in the bank and make just £300 a month. It hardly seems worth it. Now, when you do an option, you pay a monthly fee to the owner. Remember, the current rent's 3100 It can be more with a cosmetic makeover. But Joe said she could afford to pay £1,500 every month as a monthly fee to the owner, and she would still make a very good profit on the property. So think about that. Instead of the owner selling and putting all the money in the bank and getting maybe just £300 a month, they could get £1,500 a month, which is an extra £1,200 a month, every month, more than they would get if they put the money in the bank. £1,200 a month is 14400 a year. And if she did a five-year option, that's an extra £72,000 over five years. That's an extra £72,000 more than this owner would get by just putting the money in the bank. That's almost 20% more than the actual selling price now, just because they're being flexible on when they get the money. Now, obviously, the benefit for Joe is that she doesn't need to put a big deposit in. She doesn't need to get a mortgage. In fact, the, the monthly 
fee she's paying to the owner is less than a mortgage would be. So this is a truly ethical solution. It's great for Joe. It's great for the owner as well. And when you're doing any kind of deal with a motivated seller, really, you want to make sure that what you're suggesting, the solution you're putting forward is better than whatever their alternative is. And if that's the case, then it's a true win-win ethical investing. Now, if you like the idea of these purchase lease options, I've actually got some free online training you can access. You can go to www.plotraining.com. There's going to be a link in the show notes as well. I do hope that this edition has inspired you to be an ethical property investor, because if you're ethical, I promise you, you'll do more deals, which means you will make more money. So until next time, remember to always invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property training for free. All of the details are in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.